0: Are serial killers patrolling the world's waterways? And then we take an interesting look at the theory of the vanishing Bigfoot. Is there a real reason why we can never find bones or hair or a body of a Bigfoot? Are they from another dimension? And even more creepy than that, can they pull us into their home world? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I am your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. The Discord server is blowing up. We had 40 people jump on, probably within the first half hour to hour of announcing that we have a Discord server. I recommend you guys check on the show notes. It's really cool, it's a really cool place for you guys to communicate with other listeners of the show. A lot of cool friendships were born last night, I believe. I got another piece of fan art from Twitter user 9. It is a mashup of Dead Rabbit and Bloody Mary, which uh, Nine said it was their favorite episode so far. So, I'll have that in the show notes as well. Go ahead and check that out. It's just a really cool community. You guys are awesome. You guys are really, really cool, and I appreciate having such awesome friends listening to the show. So, let's go ahead and move on to our first story. Our first story, imagine you're walking down the road late at night. And you're not in the boonies. You're not in the middle of nowhere. You just left a bar. You just had a good time with your mates. You're in America, so you just had a good time with your friends. And you're leaving a bar. You're a little tipsy. A little wobbly as you're walking down the street. Uh, uh. Seeing little pink elephants dancing around in front of you. A little pinko dancing around in front of you. But you don't want to drive, so you're like, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to walk. I'm a little wobbly, a little unstable. It's three in the morning. And you start to hear footsteps behind you. turn around, you see someone walking, you don't really think anything, but then you hear and right when you turn around, he grabs you. Three days later, your family and friends find you floating down the river. Now, I guess that's probably in the not, not the most entertaining and uplifting way to start this story. But that's the theory that's going on. Not that you are being thrown in a river, but so, between the 1990s and two thousand and eight, two retired police detectives investigated over two hundred and fifty bodies of young men. Sorry if you were a woman listening to that part, but you just you're just uh, you're not in the statistics. two hundred and fifty bodies of young men found in waterways across eleven states, and these two detectives dubbed this phenomenon the smiley face killer or smiley face killers so they call it that because. Where the body is either found or where they believe the body was dumped, there is a spray-painted smiley face on the wall. This is a conspiracy theory that's been going around for a long time. And when it first came out, I was like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Basically, a network of serial killers are hunting down these men. And the men do fit a pattern. They tend to be white. They tend to be very athletic. Kind of the cream of the crop of their class. They're college-educated guys. Very fit. Probably handsome. Probably probably would make me question things. And so the police were saying, these two detectives actually were saying that these guys fit a pattern, which makes us think it's a serial killer or a group of serial killers. And the theory has broadened out from there. The last time I read an interview, one of the detectives was saying, yes, there's a group of serial killers and they communicate via the deep web and they kind of assign targets. And one of the reasons why they may be picking these people is to lash out at the best of the best. Like, they're going after the the top dogs of the school. These aren't random events. Now, the reason why it's a conspiracy theory is almost every local police department has said, that's not true. We investigated this. We know what to look for. This was an accidental drowning. This was someone who was drunk, stumbled out of a bar. Because that's the pattern, too. It's usually late at night, and the subject is intoxicated. It's usually in a downtown area with a waterway. It's not like, yeah, it's not like you're walking through like a gully, and someone pushes you into a creek. Like you're you're in a, a populated area when this happens. They're saying, listen, these people are just, it's unfortunate, but these young men are out partying. They get drunk, fall in the river, and they die. It's very, very common. Now, so when I first heard about the smiley face killers, again, I was like, oh my God, this is terrifying. But as time went on and there was really no, the only real development of note has been one of the cases of the 250 was changed to a homicide. One. I was like, it's probably not. We've never seen a network of serial killers, at least one that's really been caught. We've had cults kill people, but nothing that could span decades and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's a little iffy. The smiley face thing, the pushback on that is, there's smiley faces everywhere. And there's no limit to, like, if they find a body here, and then they find a smiley face a mile up river, it, does that count? What if they find it a mile downriver? Does that count? Like, what's the gate? Like, a lot of skeptics have been looking into this. Like, they're saying the two detectives, they just their investigation methods are fairly sloppy. They're in it for the money and stuff like that. Another one of the... This was interesting. Drunk people tend to walk downhill. I think it's interesting when people like psychologists or scientists in general can can chart a behavior. They say people who are drunk tend to prefer to walk downhill because it's easier. Which I actually think it's harder. But I guess walking uphill drunk... I mean, I'd rather just walk straight. But I guess if you didn't have that option... This is the working scenario. These men leave bars. They're drunk. And they walk downhill and fall in the water. Or they're trying to pee, they're like relieving themselves, they fall in the water, or they're just walking a straight line and they fall in the water. There's all accidental. There's actually this phrase I came across researching this called auto-assassination. It's a term meaning people who engage in risky behavior. And that's that's what the skeptics are saying these guys did. They drank to excess... They were walking along a river. They may have been doing showing off or doing something stupid. They auto-assassinated themselves. That may or may not be true, but auto-assassination is a dope name for a band. So when I came across the Smiley Face Killer thing, I was like, yeah. I mean, like, I was really into it in the beginning. Then I kind of petered out on it. So when I started doing the show, I was thinking, eh, it's not worth covering. I just don't really think there's any meat to it. So, Las Vegas Carnivore, when he sends me a YouTube comment asking about smiley face killers, I was like, well, you know, I just think it's been pretty fairly debunked. But then, this is what I love about you guys, he sent me a new piece of information. This isn't an America thing. So, again, it could simply be that people are leaving bars drunk in other parts of the world. It's definitely possible. We have the smiley face killers that are spread out across 11 states in 20 years, so it would take this huge network of killers to really pull this off. In England, they had to one up us. They have something called the Manchester Pusher. So there's the city of Manchester. This is insane. There's the city of Manchester that does have this huge waterway in it. Apparently. I don't know. I've never been there. And that city counts for one third of all drowning deaths in the country of Britain. Massive amounts of people are drowning there. 61 deaths in six years of drowning. If you go to greater manchester the numbers up to 86 deaths in 6 years. So you're thinking well that's not as much as 250 but you had 250 over 20 years versus 86 in just 6 years in this one area. Now amsterdam has a similar problem but they actually ran a big st- I'm going to get back to manchester in a second because so amsterdam all you know they have their famous waterways so they also have a similar problem. They're the ones who say it's people falling into the water and they're just drowning. 10% of the people found drowned in Amsterdam have their flies down. So they go, yes, these young men are leaving bars and relieving themselves in the river and they fall in the river and drown. It's unfortunate, but that's what we believe is happening. They say that these incidents always happen on Saturday and Sunday nights. So again, it's a drinking thing. It's related to a bar. So Amsterdam is like, we are with America, we think it's just tragic accident. In Manchester, though, There have been reports, there has been one report in particular, of a man surviving the attack. He was attacked. He was pushed into the water. And someone was trying to hold him down, and he got away. And the dude booked out. So in that country, you have someone who was drunk, leaving a bar, and got pushed into the river by another person. Is it possible he was simply panicking and thought somebody was there? Yeah, it's possible. But I think if you looked at... The statistics, they should correlate across the board. To have 61 to 86 deaths, in a, to have one-third of all your drowning deaths in one area within six years, and have somebody report that they were attacked in a manner similar to how the other bodies are found, raises a lot of questions. And the weird thing is, the police, even in Manchester, are just like, ah, no, people are just drowning. The questions are being raised and the authorities aren't answering them. I don't know if there is a smiley face killer or killers, but there is most likely a Manchester pusher pushing young men into the rivers, drunk and helpless, and they're just walking away into the night. You know, for our next story, we're going to go back to Bigfoot country. We've covered Bigfoot a lot this season, and I got some more Bigfoot stuff coming, and it's weird. Because Bigfoot really straddles the line in paranormal stuff. A lot of people treat Bigfoot as it is a species, it is a cryptid, it is like a humanoid creature that breeds and has food, like it has eating patterns, and it, it has this structure of some sort. People talk about Bigfoot the same way that you would talk about bear population. Like, maybe the Bigfoot's move their tribe, or, you know, they talk about it as if it's this real living biological entity. And then every so often you come across the story that says Bigfoot is so far beyond our comprehension, like to think of it as a creature that eats, poops, breeds, and dies is very, very wrong. Bigfoot is something else. I think it's interesting because even this show, like, I'll talk about the Almas, and I I think the Almas did exist. I actually totally believe that there were Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal men running around very recently in Mongolia. If that that stuff I read was true, then I believe that. If it was all made up, I don't believe it, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that's possible. But when we talk about eight foot tall, the Sasquatch, I'm really starting to be iffy on whether or not... If it does exist, and I don't know if it does, but if it does exist, I don't think it's a half-human, half-ape wandering through the woods. That I, I think it just may be something totally off-base. It's not an animal at all. Let's get into this. This was a request from Bennett. He actually sent me an email a while back with a couple Bigfoot things, and I've been kind of going through it. The year is 1980. I was four years old. So imagine me in my underoos while this story is taking place. This story actually also takes place in Eugene, Oregon. It's not too far from me now, and this story is, is again, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing if you're... Okay, let's just get into it. The year is 1980. If it's true, if it's true. Could be totally made up, but the year is 1980. In Eugene, Oregon, there is a man named Larry Kelm who wants to go for a hike. And there's this famous, like, hiking trail from the Saddle Blanket Mountain to Oak Ridge that he's going to walk along. And there's, like, this old Native American trading camp there that he's like, I'm going to go there. It's, like, nice place to relax. It's a long hike, but this is what he does for fun. This is how he relaxes. Now, again, I've said in previous episodes, don't ever be a hiker because weird stuff's going to happen to you like this. First two days of the hike, very leisurely, just walking. Giant cat attacks him. No. But giant cat doesn't attack him, but it is a leisurely walk, little squirrels, little birds. Sounds of nature. So after two days of hiking, you just you know, you kinda get lost in your thoughts through your middle of nowhere. Everything goes blurry and gray. Larry's standing there in the middle of this forest, it's daytime, but things look off, and he takes another step forward. Whoa. Things get even more out of focus, and at this point, he t- he's taking another step, almost out of instinct, and he moves into night. He is now in an area where it is nighttime, surrounded by jungle. The area, just to let you know, Oregon is not a jungle. If you didn't know that, Oregon is a forest. But Larry says he was walking, and he hit something, and he said it was the equivalent of looking underwater for a moment. Everything was just blurry. And his momentum carried him through, and the next thing he knows, he's standing in an area at night in the jungle. Completely, everything is just still. No squirrels, no bobcats, nothing. Nothing. And he said the area was lit. He goes, there was no stars in the sky, which is actually quite a chilling image. To be, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you should see stars all the time. So to be out in the middle of nowhere, unless there's clouds, obviously, but to be out in the middle of nowhere and to look up and see no stars, that that is a small detail, but it's a very alien, inhospitable detail. He said there were no stars in the sky, but the area was lit by something, and I couldn't tell what. Gotcha. He hears a voice from behind him. He said, I didn't hear it in my head. And it didn't sound like it was talking to me, but I heard something from behind me go, Gotcha. And in that moment, almost like in slow motion, he says he turned to his right and he started to see a hand reach around to get him. And he stepped back, and as he did, the hand grabbed where his throat had previously been, and he stumbles back into the daylight. He described the arm that he saw as long and hairy. The hand, the thumb was lower down on the arm than it would appear on a human hand, and it had a large, or cut, and there were these pale he described it as pale ivory sharp claws on each finger. That he said actually touched him. He goes, it didn't cut me. But I felt the arm reach around and kind of scrape my neck as it as it moved past and then grabbed right where I if he goes, if I hadn't moved when I did, it would have grabbed my neck. And he stumbles back out. He's now back in the forest and he looks and he sees a shimmering portal that looks like it's water just right in the forest he goes i didn't see it when i walked through it i was just it looked he said it was his words were it was a trap it was a trap like you don't it's like a a spider landing in a web they don't see it spiders love webs i'm sorry it's like a fly landing in a web they don't see it it's not designed for them to see that's how he described this thing this portal so he's watching this portal now, and it just disappears. And now he can see the trail perfectly clear in front of him. By his account, that two-day leisurely walk, he was back to his car in three hours. He 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 kicked bricks the whole way. He was out of there. And he later said, he goes, I've had, I can't sleep. Like, I'm, this is that really messed me up. He go, And what's so weird is he goes, I can't imagine what would happen if I had driven my truck through that thing. And that's a weird... I don't think... What's interesting is I don't think he's lying. I don't think he's making this up. He could be. But something about the story seems fairly authentic. And I think it's an interesting... I've been in dangerous events. And you play them back in your head over and over again. And you actually play them back in your head with different outcomes and different materials. Different things that you could have used. It's almost like you're trying to prevent that from ever happening again. So you think... What if I had a box cutter? What if I had a gun? What if I had a baseball bat? And you play these events over and over again in your head with these different outcomes. That detail rang true to me where he's like, if I was driving in my car, I would have been gone. And I think the sense of it being that if his car, because he only took about three steps through this portal, if his car was going 60 miles an hour through one and he crashes into the jungle and then he has to crawl out of his car and find where he got there, But something about the story rings true. It could have been a hallucination. I think it definitely happened to him. It could have been a hallucination. It could have been a whole bunch of things. But I think he experienced what he's talking about. So that begs the question, was that creature on the other side of that portal a Bigfoot? And, And it really does explain a lot of things about Bigfoot. And what Bennett requested was Vanishing Bigfoot, and he sent me all of these links, and this was one of the stories I got out of this. The other stories were like, I was walking through the woods, I saw Bigfoot, and then it wasn't there. And it was like 50 stories of that, and I read all of those to get, and I was like, this is detailed. Like, I don't care if you see a Bigfoot, you turn the corner and he's not there, I lose people like that all the time. The vanishing Bigfoot phenomenon is very well known, not in this level of detail, but people saying they saw a bigfoot and then it disappears, or the bigfoot not leave, we can't ever find any of their dead bodies. We can find very, very little evidence, if any, that they exist. But I think it could be that they're trying to hunt a bigfoot the way you would hunt an elk. They're looking for feces and they're looking for fur, they're looking for bones. But all of that stuff hinges on the idea that the Bigfoot is in some way a biological creature. That is the entire way that the Bigfoot community has really been focusing on Bigfoot. As a biological creature that can either be shot and killed, can be captured, or can be communicated with the way that we communicate with Coco the monkey or Lassie. And it's... Really, more likely that that is not true. If Bigfoot does exist, I don't think it's a beastal creature, and I think we have to make a distinction between creatures like the Almas of Mongolia, which were these giant Neanderthal-type things that were reported of having a society by historians, and this creature that is this hairy beast that apparently walks among us today that nobody can ever get any proof of outside of a few blurry photos. Is the Bigfoot not? an offshoot of humanity? Is Bigfoot not the missing link? Is Bigfoot not the gentle giant in the woods? Is it possible that the entity that we know of as the Bigfoot is playing dumb? Is it possible that this creature is hunting us? I think it's far more likely that Bigfoot is either from another dimension. I know know that's going to sound ridiculous, but... It's Occam's razor, like I, I, Occam's razor is obviously that Bigfoot does not exist, and that it's all completely made up, 100 percent made up. That's Occam's razor. That's the most obvious answer. But then if you eliminate that, I don't think it's a biological entity. I, I, it really can't be at this point. We've been hunting it for a good on for really a hundred years at this point. And there's never been a body or a bone found that's been conclusively known to be a Bigfoot bone. That really leaves a few options. One, it's alien, which we're going to get into on a later episode. That Bigfoots are either aliens or alien pets or something even more sinister. Or that Bigfoot can move in and out of dimensions. That Bigfoot is basically a solid ghost. It can break twigs when it wants to, it can leave footprints when it wants to, it can throw rocks when it wants to, but when it doesn't, it leaves our reality. There's a lot of people out there who fancy themselves as Bigfoot hunters and they know the territory that they're going to, they know where the Bigfoot sightings have been, they get all their gear, they get their rifles just in case, they go out with their buddies to go find Bigfoot. But there's the possibility that someday they will find Bigfoot in his dark, Dimension where there are no stars. And the last thing you hear is, Gotcha. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com/slash deadrabbitradio radio. Twitter is at Jason o. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.